of the Imago Dei, the image of God, has been invited to participate in the interpretation and hearing of scripture and leading in the church. The result has been that we've misinterpreted and misrepresented God. The creator's design for his creation, the intent and purpose of his creating humanity got lost in translation by not inviting, by us not inviting the other half, the woman, into the conversation to interpret scripture and to lead on behalf of the Imago Dei. Have you ever been misinterpreted or misrepresented? Have you ever said something and it just didn't get translated well? Um, I think um, digital communication sets us up for failure often. You accidentally leave your caps on and people say, stop yelling at me. I'm not yelling, I accidentally did that. Um, Or you've um, sent a text and it didn't get received the right way. And whenever you use Siri and you're like, hey Siri, and you give them a word and they don't tell you the right word you mean. Or uh, voice texting. Anyone ever done a voice text on your phone and it says something completely different? Well, I thought I'd share with you, because, you know, why not laugh at ourselves? Um, I wanted to be very responsible, I wanted to be a responsible driver, and I didn't want to text and drive, right? I mean, that's important, especially since we have important people in our room today, even though our firefighters can't arrest me for this, but, um, but yeah, so I was trying to be a responsible driver and not read my text, so I wanted, or respond to text, so I did a voice text with Shelly and Eric and I, Eric is our we're a next-gen pastor, and Shelly is our office administrator. So I have some screenshots of the group text. Okay, so here's kind of how it went down. I'm going to see if you can read it. Eric's checking in. He's like, hey, this is in December this year. Awesome ladies. I started working early this morning and in the middle of Christmas Eve zone. I'd rather stay home. I'm going to pick up kids and, or mics and kids. I'm not going to drive to church, but I'm here cranking out stuff, so please don't hesitate to call or text or email as last resort. If you know Eric, he doesn't respond to emails. And then Shelly says, awesome, Eric. We'll miss seeing those bright eyes. So then Eric sends this picture. And he's like, here, this make you happy, Shelly? Now leave me alone. Which we know, Eric, we know his heart. So then I reply, finally, Shelly, it looks like you and I are gonna get some actual work done today. Eric says, oh, Amber. And then I said, boobs. I didn't say boobs. Um, did I send that to the group text? LOL, haha, love you, mean it. I'm driving, voice texting's always interesting. And Shelly's like, no joke. And Eric, Eric says, whose boobs? What? Amber. And I was like, awesome. I said, I said, poops. I know, poops, no, poops, not boobs, poops, poops. <laughs> Before you go. I'm like, this is not going well. So I take it a step further and record what I really mean. So go ahead and show that. I'm I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. I was trying to say oops, not boobs or poops, but oops. And I can't pick it up on voice text. So now I'm I'm crying because I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, Um, so oops, 
I meant to say, oops, did I send that to the group text? Haha, <laughs> you know. Um, lost in translation, uh, voice to text did not quite get what I meant across. Um, and, the, and the effects of this is funny. And it actually gave us something to laugh about. It built closeness. Um, God's message, though, however, lost in translation, had quite a different effect on our relationship. Um, oftentimes a devastating effect. So I wanted to uh, remind us the core convictions that are driving this message series and why we've spent so much time in this. And it's, it's this, it's that we believe the church has been wrong about excluding the other half of the image of God to, to uh, the table to lead the church and to read scripture. And you can go ahead, Brent, to that next one. Yeah. Um, that we've been wrong and that there's been, uh, the second one is that there's been pain and suffering because we've missed out on this. That women have been treated as less than, as not equal to men, and it's resulted in abuse and mistreatment throughout the history of time. Uh, number three, we need to repent and we need to teach a correct biblical view of this, and so that is our job as the church to do that. And then number four, those who hold a different belief so we, are, we hold a, to an egalitarian view of scripture. Those who hold a complementarian view that women are created with complementary roles but not uh, to lead in the church, those who hold that are not the enemy but beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we love and respect all people because we are all made in the image of God. And last week, at, uh, John added to this convictions, and he said, we hope that through this we'll be able to change your view of... Um, of, of, of scripture, of this interpretation. And if not, he said, then maybe we can change your attitude toward those who believe differently than you. And then if you are in a space where you just can't agree to disagree and you insist on your own way, he said, well, uh, we might help you find a new church. Because in this place, we believe that um, we are all about love. And you can be free to ask questions and wrestle with the things that you don't understand or you need more clarity on, but th this is a place where we can have those conversations. We are a place that first and foremost loves one another. I heard a pastor say the other day when asked about their convictions as a church or their stances on things, and he said, we have a strong stance on love, everything else we have a conversation. And I thought that was beautiful. This conversation just happens to be one that is rooted in love. God's deep love for his people and, his, and our deep love for God and understanding God's word as the only perfect rule for faith and conduct. If you've missed any of the past four weeks of this uh, message series, you can listen to our podcast or we Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook Live people. Um, every week, so you can go back and watch or uh, catch up of anything you've missed. But I don't know about you, I've, have you enjoyed this? I've heard several people tell me how much they've liked learning more about her story. But the more I study and the more I learn, um, the more I fall in love with God. And the more I am convinced that the Apostle Paul, who is the majority writer of the New Testament and the church planter extraordinaire, um, I believe he was not only egalitarian in his view, um, believing that women were gifted by the Spirit to leave, lead equally with men. I believe the people that he wrote to in these churches uh, weren't uh, confused about his stance. I believe they understood what he was. In fact, I, um, I think 
they didn't, they didn't wonder about it. I think Paul's message got lost in translation over time. If you look at the historians of the time and the beginning of the church, women flocked to the church. The way of Jesus offered women something that the Greco-Roman world didn't offer them. See, in the world that they lived in, they were possessions, they were objects. In the church, they had opportunity to lead. They had, uh, they had a voice, they had, um, they had ability to lead with power. The church gave them this opportunity. And we get to hear and read their stories throughout scripture. Stories of women being placed in power over men and women alike in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I believe the Apostle Paul was an advocate for this. Women were willing just as much to be martyred for their faith as men were. There's a story I read in a book called Callings, and it's called The Martyrdom of Perpetua. And if you ever want to read something really cool, look it up, Google. She's amazing. I told Mia she's really lucky that I didn't read that before she was born because I was going to name her Perpetua. She was like, thank goodness. But um, fabulous, I mean, amazing stories. Women sacrificing their lives for Jesus, and they did it because their lives were changed in real, tangible ways by an encounter with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the people of Jesus, with following the way. So the fact that women were willing to do this tells me that there was something compelling. There was something different than the way they had been living. How many of you have heard of the Me Too movement? Just a quick show of hands. Um, what, what it is, it's a movement against sexual harassment and sexual assault. Well, that movement wasn't needed in the early church. In fact, the early church was, um, in, it responded in a positive way to what was happening. The church was their way out. So I believe we are called to wrestle with the word of God in our current generation. I think every generation has to do that and how we're to live out this word where we live today in society. As, a, as, a, as followers of Jesus, living into the great commission and the great commandment to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves, and to go into all the world to, and to love people in the name of Jesus. Um, so we're asked, how do we, how do we look at this issue? How do we look at this issue with gender roles in the church, but also with all of the other things that come across our television and in our lives as faithful as followers of Jesus? So when it comes to women's roles in the church, I can't help but wonder, what isn't happening in our world because women haven't been given the opportunity to lead? What ministries haven't been started? What churches haven't been planted? What business ventures haven't been lived into? Because women have been told that they are less than or not capable to lead in such a way. What people are totally burnt out in their life because they're not living into their giftedness and their calling? You know, we've put people in roles of leadership who God didn't give them the gift to lead. And they're doing it because they're trying to be faithful, but they're just um, not designed that way. It's a square peg in a round hole. We've kept women out of leadership, and we've told them that their place is in the home. It's only in the home. And let me say this. Um, I respect that and deeply value that stance. But I want to say I think it's a gift for women who are able to do that and do it well. I know my mother-in-law did a wonderful job, and I tried. <laughs> I really tried. I did, didn't I, honey? I desperately wanted to be able to stay home, um, but on a, I just couldn't do it. Um, it wasn't, 
uh, maybe I was weak, but I, did, I was weak. Um, but I wasn't not doing what I think God was calling me to do. And there's been so much shaming around this topic, so much shame. We should on each other so much. We should on ourselves. There's a whole bunch of shoulding going on. So today, allow me to say this. You should discover how God has gifted you. Ask others around you, how do you think God has gifted me? What do you think I should be doing? If you feel off, maybe it's because you're not in the right spot. So I just, you know, that's all the shooting I've got. Um, so we've spent the last several weeks looking at marriages and prohibitive passages like the one found in 1 Timothy 2 about women being silent in the church. And there's one word that kind of we go back to that gets us tripped up, and it's found in the creation narrative, um, this word helper. And we're going to unpack that word today. Three goals this morning. I want to look at the word Azer, and that's that word helper found in Genesis. We're going to look at some Azers in the Bible and consider what it means for us today. And so we're going to start with Genesis 2.18. And uh, if you would read that out loud with me. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Let's read it one more time. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. There are two creation accounts in Genesis 1 and 2, and, and God creates everything, and everything is good, and the only thing that is not good is when the man is alone. And so what does he do? He makes a helper suitable for him. And what comes to your mind when you think of the word helper? Usually it's like an assistant, an associate. Um, the role of a helper in our culture or an assistant means you probably have less pay, less power, less status. Um, the helper or assistant could be like maybe the understudy to a lead role in a play. Um, so what I want to do is look at the word helper. We're just going to look at this word itself in its original text in Hebrew and the meaning of it. So we said a minute ago that the word in Hebrew is azer. And it can have several meanings. It can mean to rescue, uh, save, be strong. And uh, as John said last week, if you want to under understand a word in the Bible, you need to look at where else it's used in the Bible. And um, other places um, in, in, the, in reading the other uh, writings from that time and to understand its context. So there are 21 references to the identical word azer in the Old Testament. Two of those, it refers to women, which we read in Genesis uh, 2, 18 and 20. Then three times, it refers to military aid, um, so denoting strength and power, a warrior, uh, those um, who had the power and resources to help, so military aid. Sixteen times, it's in reference to God. To God. God is our help. God is our azer. It's also used as a verb um, as well as a noun. It's uh, used to defend or protect, surround, and cherish. So, so far, this is just word, uh, understanding the word of this, not my opinion. Um, the next word that I want to look at is the word suitable. So, I'll make a helper suitable for him. And azer kenegdo. And again, I'm, well, not again, I didn't say this yet. Um, I don't speak Hebrew. So 
I could be pronouncing these wrong. So grace for that. Um, Connecto, which means suitable or fit. The root word in that is neged, and it gets developed over time to mean opposite or parallel to. Um, and then later developed into connected, uh, which means equal. Uh, Paul Erickson gave me a, a printout this week of a translation from a book entitled God, uh, Genesis, God, Creation, and Destruction um, by an a author and um, Torah. He's an expert in Torah and Hebrew language. Um, Dennis Prager, and it said, his literal translation was, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is his equal. And it's interesting how we have placed such an emphasis on this part of the creation story. That um, Eve uh, coming from Adam as a helper, as this um, less, a secondary role, um, and that maybe she's dependent on Adam for life, um, that without him, she wouldn't exist. I heard doctor, uh, doctor and theologian Cynthia Westfall in a podcast uh, talk about this very thing, and she says, um, this is the one place where a woman comes from a man in scripture, and then from then on, every man comes from woman. In fact, God himself chooses to come from a woman. And the man had no part in it. So it's almost like Adam needed to have a role in creating life. And so he said, from Adam, you can help me with Eve, but Eve, all men, will come from you in the future. It's just kind of an interesting way for us to look at it. And when you picture it side by side, a woman and a man together, uh, man created and Azer Connecto, boldly together, standing together, complimenting one another, the full image of God is then complete when they stand in that kind of position, living out their God-given gifts, warriors with strength and the power to act. It's good. It looks a little different, doesn't it? When God looked on his creation and said, it is very good, this is what it looked like, together, equal. And in Hebrew, the image of God, when we use that word image, it's not necessarily a mirror, a mirror image, but image is more like it, the essence of God, the imprint of God, impressing on them. Men and women alike are God's handiwork, and his masterpiece, together created for a purpose, with gifts by the Holy Spirit, equally given and administered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and by the way, those gifts are not an accident. The way that you are great with numbers, the way that you can just like read a room when you walk in, the way that you can see people who are hurting, the way that you just are really good with um, creating or design, the way that you love kids, the way you love your family. Like there's some people who are just really gifted on things and that's not an accident. God, God um, isn't looking at you and thinking, oops, I got it wrong. <laughs> I gave that gift to the wrong person. Oh, what am I going to do? God is not insecure about your gifting. God isn't just tolerating you or your gifting either. He created you on purpose 
for purpose. Do you know that? Men and women alike, you bear the Imago Dei and you have a Father in heaven who delights in just the mere fact that you exist, that he created you. He, he made man and then woman and then said, you're beautiful, I love you just because I made you. At the apprentice gathering last year, uh, James Bryant Smith had us do an activity, and we're going to do this right now. Um, He said that um, God looked at us, and he just says, and he delights in us, and he says, I am delighted you exist. And so I would like you to turn to the person to your right and say that. Say, I am delighted you exist. Great. And then I want you to turn to the person on your other side and say, I am delighted you exist. God is not conflicted. He's not conflicted with how he made you. He delights in you. So, is there connected in the room, men in the room? Who are you? Who, who were you created to be before anyone told you who you should be? Before life got in the way with all the oughts and shoulds and ought to be this way. If we look at the garden before sin enters the world and impacts the whole human story, this is the place, the perfect shalom. That's the goal, God reconciling all creation back to that place. We're co-sources uh, of each other, co-laborers over creation. When we are confident in whose we are and who created us, we can live more faithfully and boldly in the walk that God has put for us. I am so grateful for God's word and this truth, the love story of the creator to his creation. We have access to the true nature and character of God who created everything. And we have access to that because of his word, because we get to read the word of God. And then we get to watch Jesus' life unfold through scripture. And Jesus reveals the true nature and character of God. And we might argue, I've heard it argued that, you know, women, if women had important roles to play throughout scripture, then maybe their stories would have been uh, more highlighted. Maybe there'd be more female heroes in the Bible. And well, from Genesis to Revelation, there are female heroes in the Bible. Stories that are given us to hold on to. Stories that reflect the Imago Dei. Uh, They're recorded for all time and meant to to give us something to hold on to in a way to experience God in our lives. From Eve, the mother of all humanity, who chose to continue with the human project even after the pain of the fall. To Sarah and Hagar to Rebecca and Rachel, to Deborah, who was the warrior leader of Israel, to Esther, who risked her whole life to uh, save her people, to Ruth and Naomi, to Holda the prophet, to Miriam and Tamar, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to Mary and Martha, Mary, who, the woman who sat at the feet of Jesus to learn as a disciple. You remember that moment when, when Martha comes in to say, Jesus, tell, get my, tell my sister to come in and help me. 
And Jesus says, Mary's chosen what is right. She's chosen the role of a disciple. I'm calling her to that. Someone who listens and learns at the feet of her rabbi. Last week, John uh, talked about Paul's writing in 1 Timothy about women and uh, the command to learn. They were allowed to learn in the church where they weren't allowed outside of that. He said, be quiet so that you can learn like Mary did. Maybe the example that Jesus gave of this, maybe this story influenced Paul's writings. Maybe Paul wanted other women to know and learn how to be disciples and leaders and learn from the story of Mary like that. Understand there's no more slave or free or Jew or Greek or male or female, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And then then there was a small group of women who alone walked with Jesus through the passion and the crucifixion and then became the first witnesses of the resurrection, the first ones to preach the good news of Jesus was a woman. To Phoebe, the deacon who was charged to read and explain Paul's writings to Romans. To Priscilla, the teacher. To Lydia, the businesswoman. To Junia, the prophet, whose name, by the way, was changed in the 12th and 13th centuries to a man's name. She was an apostle, and her story was hidden and erased. But anybody who thinks that the Bible has no woman heroes or leaders or warriors hasn't been reading the Bible. And these women and stories are powerful and they reflect the nature and character of the God who sees you as he created you, the God who delights in you. And maybe you aren't feeling called to live out your story in the church walls, but out in the world. Maybe God has gifted you in such a way that you are called to lean into your gifting in your neighborhood, in your home, in your schools, fighting against bullies, against kids who are left alone and neglected. Maybe God's given you the gift of compassion or mercy. And how about the place where you work? Do you have leadership gifts, ability? Can you be the one with the potential and the power to act on the behalf of someone else? Where you can help people stand where they've been debilitated by injustice or oppression? Lost in translation, God's plan for his creation. It was very good when men and women were created equal and stood together. So how do we do this? I mean, how does this like live out in our lives? It's foundational, I think, for how we see the world and how we see people. If you have been called to lead, please lead. He says, if you're called to lead, do it diligently. Now the church needs leaders. We need you to lead where you live, work, learn, and play. If you've been called to serve in the background because that's where you feel led, then do that. But do it with passion and conviction. Don't let the shoulds of this world put you in a box that God never designed for you to be in in the first place. God made you and created you. And the situation you're in where maybe you feel like you've been put here and you just want to escape. 
Maybe you, have, maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel like the understudy of your, your own life. I remember the story, and I'll close with this, of the slave Hagar. Hagar was um, in someone else's story. She was um, <clears throat> abused. Um, she ran to the wilderness to get away from her owners, from Sarah. She thought it would be better to die than to continue to live the life that she had been living. And maybe you feel sometimes in that space where you've not fully figured this out, you're just kind of stuck. Maybe you can feel encouragement because that God, when Hagar was out there and ready to die, the angel came and and said, no, God sees you. And Hagar says, okay, you are the God who sees me. And he sends her back. He says, I'm not done with you. You've got a purpose. You have a story. And that same God who sees Hagar is the God who sees you, who knows you, who created you and loves you. He delights in you. And God hears you. He doesn't misinterpret your texts. He doesn't misinterpret your lies. You are fully heard and fully known and fully understood, and I pray that you know that today. And if you don't know it, I pray that you ask God, say, God, show me. Show me how you have made me, how you have created me. And send others to walk with me so that I don't have to do this alone. And that is why we are here today, in this place, in this community, in this community. Um, Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for making us. Thank you for delighting in us. Thank you for knowing and writing our stories with, uh, with your kingdom in mind. God, as we sit here in this space today, each one of us carry a life with us. Um, each one of us have been uh, put into this, in this place. You've, been given us, you've given us gifts. God, as we seek to discover what those are, I just pray that you make it clear. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear where you are moving and working in us and around us and through us. And God, as we think of the women you've placed in our lives, our moms and our grandmothers and our sisters and our daughters and our friends, allow us to see them with eyes that you see, that they are equally loved and gifted for kingdom work. Thank you for your word that teaches us the truth so that we may know your love and share it with the world. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If I could um, ask.